0: This is the Taz and Jim podcast.
1: I did like this story. My favorite part of the Saturday Social was Sarah Smith, who's a very talented musician from London, Ontario. She told a great story about her first kiss. Here it is. (laughs)
0: Um, Okay, so uh, first, like, first real kiss, I guess. Um, I mean,. It was definitely like in about grade three or grade four. It was it was it was young, um, but we used to have this portable. I lived in a small town, and we had all these portables. And uh, I took the boys boys uh, back behind the portable, and I lined them up. There was a few of them, and um, we did a kiss and a hickey.
1: That's
2: wow! What, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean we did a kiss and a hickey? You mean like? You would exchange hickeys with a line of boys? Kinda, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Sarah, you little rebel! You, I can't believe I just told you that, but <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. So did anybody catch you guys with the hickeys? Like the people would not even know what those were back in the day, would they?
0: Yeah, I got into I got in trouble and uh, got my parents got told about it and they were disappointed and I had to paint the entire fence of the farmhouse. So fifty acres
2: of fence I had to paint. After that the old Mark Twain punishment. Good God.
1: <laughs> that is that's a serious punishment, man. Fifty acres of fence having to paint it when you're in grade four. <laughs> the parents must have been loving it, right? They're like, oh God, we gotta go out and paint that that fifty acres of fence. What's that? Call from the principal's office.
2: Perfect. <laughs> You go yeah. do it, Sarah. <laughs> I don't like my daughter getting hickeys, but God darn it, that's a nice fence.
1: <laughs> hey, Taz and Jim, who's this? Uh, my name is uh, Jeremy,
0: and I'm calling from uh, Wyoming, Ontario. We used to play uh, local hockey around here, and I remember we had won a couple games, and, and we were on a winning streak, and we had a big party. and uh remember we were probably supposed to be behaving, and uh, the next day I wasn't getting out of bed very early. <laughs> and uh, my dad come down and he told me we're planting trees <laughs> that was the worst thing i ever heard we planted over 55 trees that day and uh, i think i puked twice while we were doing it <laughs> so you know i think uh everybody goes through it right we all we all have those uh those mornings
1: oh yeah that's the classic the manual labor <laughs> when you think your kid's been out drinking the night before, mm-hmm. always plan. If you got a big job to do and you need your kid to help, always plan it for the day after that they're going out with
2: their friends. Yeah. Every Saturday morning, my dad would make me work. I would have to work every Saturday, either 7 or 8 a.m., and I'd be hung over four years straight in high school, basically.
1: My dad's saying that he would he'd give me was if you're gonna hoot with the owls, you got to be able to soar with the eagles, son. (laughs) (laughs) If you're gonna go out late and party, you got to get up and do what you got to do the next day, buddy. Uh, Okay, we got another call here, Taz and Jim. Hey, this is Mason from Woodstock, and uh, growing up in Brampton, I actually had some Portuguese neighbors that gave my parents some. uh, Pretty interesting ways to give us some punishment. So we get the usual hot sauce on the tongue and uh, sit on the. And now it is time for today's matchups. Here we go.
2: Blythe is taking on Embro Jim. Tell us more. That's right, Taz. Blythe, uh, what a legendary little town. This town is a night out in Blythe. Used to be all about the Blythe Theater, but now everybody can't stop talking about the Cowbell Brewery. Yeah, locals reportedly have been saying, Oh, wow, we can go out and get drunk somewhere and not have to watch community theater. Sign me up. They're taking on <laughs> Embro, Ontario this morning, not to be confused with Umbro, the old soccer shorts manufacturer. But just like those Umbro short soccer shorts, every once in a while a couple of nuts will pop out in Embro, and they'll usually show up to the Embro truck and tractor pull and hang out with local legend Scurvy Dog. <laughs>
1: I, I just had a terrible flashback of my uh, soccer coach when I was young calling us into the huddle. <laughs> <laughs> Crouching down with those short shorts on. Oh, God. Okay, coach, just send us back out there. <laughs> Kamoka is taking on Shedden, Ontario today.
2: Yes, Taz, uh, had to do some deep research on these two towns here this morning, starting with Shedden. I couldn't find it on Wikipedia, but it did pop up on Hickipedia. Yeah, it turns out they've got a country grocer right downtown Shedden that has pizza, lottery tickets, homemade fudge and brittle, and sausage, and a liquor store all in one spot. Yes, Shedden Country Grocer. Come see how the sausage is made. Come see how the fudge is packed. They're taking on Kamoka, Ontario this morning. Kamoka, Ontario, if you have dyslexia, it almost looks like Kokomo, the Beach Boys' uh, favorite spot that's not even real, apparently, and that I looked it up. Did you know Kokomo's not even a real spot, Taz? There's no place called Kokomo? That's just made up. It just sounds fun. No, there is also no beach in Kamoka, but you may see a little beaver. That's right, the Little Beaver Restaurant. Yeah, right down the street from the Kamoka Trout Farm. (laughs) No comment. (laughs) You ever gotten filled up at the Little Beaver, Jim? (laughs) I haven't, but I've heard good things. Yeah, it's good food. We need to know a little bit more about this one. Dunville versus Waterford. Yes Taz, Waterford, Ontario. My cousin ate a bunch of shrooms at a party there in high school and ain't been right since. (laughs) <laughs> shout out to alan lafferty and jason clowett who invited me to the waterford pumpkin fest 11 years ago and uh, just a heads up if you are at waterford pumpkin fest and you think there's a big scrap starting it's probably just the norfolk harvesters rugby club practicing a scrum or doing those weird hack dance things i think is what they're called they're taking on dunville this morning Home of Muddy the Mudcat, Taz, a (laughs) 50-foot-long, 27-foot-tall mudcat, which is basically a big old catfish. That's right, 50 feet long, 27 feet tall. This town has the largest mudcat statue in the world. Taz, what town do you think has the second-largest mudcat? Ooh, I I wouldn't even know where to start with a guess. The answer, nowhere. Because why the hell would anyone want to <laughs> see such a large, ugly fish? <laughs> Way to go, Dunville. Also competing, we've got Tilsonburg
1: taking on Dundas, Ontario. Ah.
2: My back still aches when I hear that word. Tilsonburg! If Dundas Street in London was a town, it would be Tilsonburg, Ontario. Some nice spots, but the further east you travel, the less teeth you see. They're doing alright though with the quarantine. The last time they had to stock up on this much bottled water was when the town drunk Liam McGlynn skinny dipped in the Tilsonburg water tower. They're taking on Dundas, Ontario this morning, also known as Pretty Much Hamilton. Did you know Dundas, Ontario is the cactus capital of the universe? How's that possible? I don't know, but one guy coined it and it stuck. Well, they do love cacti over there. They love it so much they have the annual Dundas Cactus Festival. Finally, a festival you can go to where the prickliest things aren't the women you try to approach. (laughs) Tilsonburg,
1: Dundas, Dunville, Waterford, Kamoka, Shedden, Blythe, Embro. Do you love one of those small towns? Well, you better get online and vote for the Taz and Jim Small Town Tournament of 64. This is the fifth Monday that we have been doing our show from home in isolation. Remember when we were counting the days? Now we're just counting the weeks. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to get to the point where we're counting the months. Who knows?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, but ever since we've been isolated, we've been giving you guys the COVIDiot of the day. Covid, a term we coined, really caught on. And it's a person who is not helping the situation by being a dumb-dumb. And today's COVIDiot of the day... The landlords who are asking for sex instead of rent during the COVID nineteen crisis. <laughs> oh, of
2: course,
1: slumlords in action. <laughs> Does this remind you of any movies that you've seen, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> um, How about you this? Give me
2: another month's rent. <laughs> so if I were you, I would start doing some tongue exercises before Friday. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> Poor Roy Munson,
2: kingpin man. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: You really jarred something loose there, Tiger. <laughs> what is it about oh. sex that makes me have to take a dump?
2: <laughs> oh, I forgot about that scene. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I got a feeling it wasn't a lot of female landlords, though, unfortunately. No, for us. Uh,
1: not according to the uh, the numbers here. Government agency in Hawaii, State of Hawaii, reporting an increase in the number of tenants reporting landlords asking for sexual favors in exchange for rent. Hawaii State Commission noted more cases being reported, suggesting that landlords are preying on tenants' financial stress during the COVID-19 pandemic. Due to recent layoffs and furloughs, only 69% of U.S. renters were able to make rent on the first of the month.
2: 69.
1: (laughs) Okay, relax. Anyone who has been victimized by a landlord is being urged to file a complaint.
2: I'm a little nervous here now, Taz. Why, Jim? kind of how my girlfriend's been paying rent since she moved in a couple months ago right oh come on <laughs> oh, i'm pretty sure I after that, to jail? <laughs> i'm pretty sure after
1: that comment whether you go to jail or not i'm pretty sure after that comment she is not going to be paying her her rent <laughs> for at least a month i'm kidding I'm yeah kidding. okay all right there's our covidiots of the day Oakville, Ontario family hit with an $880 ticket after going rollerblading there at the Glen Abbey Community Center in the parking lot. No one else was around. After about 45 minutes, the dad, Todd Nelson, says that a bylaw officer pulled up. Uh, He said, who are we hurting? The uh, bylaw officer said they had to leave. He said, who are we hurting? And then the bylaw officer, according to Todd, said, oh, you're not going to be like that, are you? Todd's like, I'm just asking a question. By-law officer, give me give me your ID. Here's your ticket for $880 plus service fees. So that's a pretty big ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd says that he wishes that uh, he would have got a, uh, a warning or would have been educated because he didn't realize that the family wasn't supposed to be there, that it was an area that was shut down. Jim, what are people saying about this on the Facebook page?
2: Terry says, seriously, he's not Hold on, sick. Jim, His... Jim, I can't hear you for check, some Check, check. One, two. There you go. I can hear you now. There we go. Taz, Terry says, seriously, he's not sick. His kids aren't sick. Nobody else is around. Use some and common sense, people. He's doing nothing wrong. Dan says, this is going too far. What really scares me more than this virus is how the social police seem to be on the side of the officer. Four people living in the same house using an empty parking, using an empty parking lot for some fun and exercise. And the majority of people here are so scared they believe he was justified to get a ticket. Lisa says, the last emergency alert we received said everyone but essential workers need to stay home. I totally get that this was an empty parking lot. That said, when people see him do this and it goes unchecked, more people will start doing it. And before you know it, empty parking lots will be filled with people.
1: Yeah, it is kind of a where do you draw the line situation. But at the same time, I think that that the dad could have got the message if the bylaw officers said, no, seriously, man, you can't be here. I'm just doing my job. Yeah. And, and you need to leave.
2: If, I, if we see you back here, we're going to have to give you a ticket for $880. It just seems so odd. You know, four people alone in a parking lot who live together get charged. But if you, you know, 50 people pass each other in the aisle at the LCBO, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if we're really <laughs> worried about people transmitting the disease and, and passing on the disease, this is not a priority. Yeah,
1: but it, it, the security world is is hopping right now. And you know, you have a lot of uh, a lot of people who just enjoy the authority. I'm not yeah. saying that's the case with this bylaw officer, but this could be, you know, a a cop wannabe who yeah. sees an opportunity to crack down and do his duty or her duty and then they just get a little carried away with the power and
2: start ticketing everybody. Yeah, not only that, dude, people on our Facebook page are becoming, I mean, I think their hearts are in the right place, but they're all becoming, for lack of a better term, a bunch of snitches. We've had multiple people sending us pictures of neighbors gathering, like there, we got one, uh, yesterday, Taz, three neighbors, three dudes hanging out, uh, closer than recommended, and somebody sent us a picture of them and said, please shame them. It's like, okay, I get it, but uh-huh. like, everybody quickly just turned like snitches like that! Yeah.
1: They. I just read a story though. Just for those guys, if those guys are listening, who are closer than they should be, we're not gonna. We're not gonna get you in trouble. We're not gonna shame you. But I will say, I just read a story that researchers are now saying that six feet isn't enough to be apart. They're saying COVID nineteen could travel up to thirteen feet. Oh, to give inv- me a break! another person. Well, I, like. Listen, we'd love for the virus to give us a break, but this is just what the the research is now showing.
2: There's <laughs> another good comment here, Taz, about people social distancing, too. Uh, Megan says, I'm sorry, but I was in London's Springbank Park on Saturday, and it was capitalized, packed, with yeah. every parking space occupied and then some. So you know, like people are walking on walking paths, biking on bag paths, a foot away from each other. No, nobody's being held accountable. But and four then this people, family in, empty in Oakville, lot.
1: yeah, it's empty weird, weird, right? Lot. Rollerblading. Yeah. That's a you know, that's a you want to rollerblade in an empty parking lot because you don't really want anyone to see rollerblading. <laughs> yeah, you don't want people to know.
2: <laughs> Full safety gear on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
1: <laughs> it, it is so true, man. People are driving to go to, to trails and, and paths and go for walks instead of just going for walks in their own neighborhoods. You know? It's, the roads are empty. If you're a bylaw officer, it's like shooting fish in a barrel because you really can look anywhere and find people who could be ticketed, right? The mm-hmm. question is, should they be ticketed or should you just give them a warning? And yesterday was a big anniversary. April 12, 1980, was when Terry Fox started his run in St. John's, Newfoundland, 40 years ago. Wow. Uh, we've got a friend of ours, Dr. Pete Ferguson. He works in the cancer research labs at London Health Sciences Center, and he's also a member of the uh, organizing committee for the Terry Fox run in London, Ontario. Dr. Pete, good morning.
0: Good morning, Taz and Jim. Great to talk to you again.
1: Yeah, seeing the videos going around yesterday of Terry Fox, and you know, I I, I watched uh, one one clip, and I just thought to myself, I remember being a kid in the '80s and thinking Terry Fox was this man. He was an adult who did this incredible thing and then watching the videos now that I'm 42 years old looking at him he's a kid you realize this this is an 18 year old kid who did this remarkable thing
0: it was it was unbelievable the uh the motivation that he that he brought on himself and uh that all started from right after he had his surgery to, to have his leg amputated and he was in a in a ward with a lot of young people and uh he looked around and he thought, there must be something I can do for these kids to, to, you know, do something for the suffering. And, man, was he did he ever get on a roll? He, um, and with the training that he did to run equivalent of a marathon every day for 143 days, with that training, he actually covered the distance across Canada. But, of course, as we know, he only made it as far as Thunder Bay. But, man, what a legacy he started.
1: Yeah, he um, he made it 143 days, 3,339 miles total with one leg. And he I think four days, he only took something like four days off from running in and that time.
0: One of those days he went swimming instead. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. Anybody who's ever run a marathon or even a half marathon will tell you that they have trouble walking for a few days after that. This guy got up 4 o'clock every morning and put in a marathon every day for nearly 143 straight days. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And uh you know that's people take that as inspiration and um his uh you know his legacy lives on and knowing that uh, any funds that are raised go go directly to cancer research and uh I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, uh, Ron Colhoun, who was a uh, uh, uh the special events coordinator for the Canadian Cancer Society back then and he uh he organized all of Terry's run, especially uh, picking up steam as they came to Ontario. And we we lost poor run a few months ago, and um, oh, man. he he he, um, he was just a, a sweet, wonderful man. And uh, we, uh, you know, of course, we're going to dedicate this this uh, this year's run to him and a few other people, Ted Wearingham, who passed away a year and a half ago, who also uh, organized the very first Terry Fox Run in uh, in London, the first year that it was that there was run. So. Um, We've been having one right here in the city for 40 years straight.
1: Well, hopefully those guys uh, were able to let Terry know about the amazing things that have been done in his name over the past 40 years. It is remarkable to see... to see this keep going on, and I I can't wait to tell my son about Terry Fox. As a Canadian, it's something that uh, you're so proud of. You know that this guy was Canadian, and this is what he did. Uh, instead of feeling sorry for himself, he ran until the cancer spread into his lungs, and they said you got to go home. He just kept putting one foot in front of the other, and it's it's pretty r- remarkable that we're still talking about terry today how much money has been raised in his name over the past it's, it's 40 years approaching
0: a bit approaching a billion dollars pat that's well over eight hundred million dollars <laughs> and it's just wow. it's incredible and you know it's, it's interesting you mentioned that he's it's the canadian factor because he is he's well known um as a as an ambassador of canada even you know after he's long gone there's been terry fox runs held in over 50 countries around the world and uh uh, a friend of ours was just uh started one uh, two years ago in australia in sydney australia and uh it's it's amazing the you know you have you tell the story and people go man that's great that's a great story that's inspiring and, and they want to do the same thing so uh and of course it spawned a, a lot of other uh you know running type fundraisers and um you know we're just we're just hoping that this, this whole uh, coronavirus thing clears up and everybody's able to get back to uh to raising funds for research and cancel research again, but uh, again you'll be in for for people who have kids now that you want to teach them something about Terry Fox again, when everything opens back up, Terry Fox is in the Canadian Medical Hall of Fame, which is going to be is in the uh, Kellogg Center when they get when they finish that uh, doing construction in there
1: oh in London so, yeah
0: yeah it'd be a great great place to take your kids and, and learn about other famous um, Canadians and some londoners and and uh, uh, again about terry fox
1: there's a push to get terry on the five dollar bill as well right
0: oh probably there's i mean i think people have been uh, trying trying for that for a while and now that they're looking for um you know famous canadians to put on instead of famous uh, lakes and buildings <laughs> it would be it certainly would be great he's actually uh in the new passports as well there's a page dedicated to terry fox uh, the diagram in the new passport
1: is there a contingency plan speaking of COVID 19 uh, i know the run is held in the fall every fall uh are there terry fox run organizers who are talking about the possibility that you may have to push the date this year
0: all i know right now taz is that they're talking about it the last correspondence i've had is that you know um just, we're in a kind of a wait and see right now. I've heard of other runs. I can't, I don't know which ones were specifically that are actually holding virtual runs where, you know, you, you go online, you get your donations and then go run in the park or something like that, you know, obviously mm-hmm. away from other people, but, um, they're doing it that way this year. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I uh, honestly, there, there's been no word yet. Um, luckily it's not until September and, you know, it'd be great if we could get back to, um, everybody socializing and having a real run because <laughs> we obviously we have a lot of uh, celebratory type things in mind for for that special day yeah, which is right the... now it's Sunday September 20th
1: the 40th anniversary of Terry Fox leaving St. John's, Newfoundland, yesterday. Uh, we've got Dr. Pete Ferguson here from the Cancer Research Labs at London Health Sciences Center. Uh, hopefully you guys can uh, continue or get back to your, your important work as soon as possible. And to everyone, if you're talking to anyone working at the hospital, uh, send them some love from all of the Taz and Jim listeners. We really uh, do appreciate what they're doing right now, okay? I certainly
0: will appreciate that, Dad
1: thank you very much for checking out the taz and jim podcast if you want to listen to us the old fashioned way live on the radio you can do that on fm96 in london or y108 in hamilton weekday mornings from five thirty until nine thirty. or subscribe keep downloading the podcasts and we'll keep talking